Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome again. Uh, I'm Van. I'm the lead pastor, and we are finishing up our series, One Week to Live. want to welcome those watching on our other campuses, Issaquah, Duval, and Woodenville, Bothell. And it's this time of year, uh, obviously we're about ready to celebrate Easter, but I'm even thinking beyond that uh, as spring and then graduation comes. And my youngest daughter is going to graduate from high school. And so I'm getting a little bit nostalgic and also a little bit nervous in terms of graduation gifts. And so I thought maybe you could help me out to pick the right graduation gift uh, for her. One of the, you know, uh, I was thinking something like this is what she really wants uh, is, is this, is she wants a dog. And she said, Dad, I want the dog, but you'll take care of it. And I'm like, that does not sound like a good deal for me. And of course, you know, uh, there's a bunch of kids on the east side that get one of these. Uh, Yeah, a car. And I thought, you know, that would be so wonderful for her early on in life to deal with disappointment. And uh, so she's not going to get a car. Uh, There's also uh, a trip to Hawaii. Yeah, that's good. That sounds like a good one, uh, as long as you're paying for it. And then uh, I thought, this is a gift I should give her, uh, a father's love. (laughs) Yeah, she uh, wasn't excited about that as well. Well, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing, but it's sort of interesting as you come to a close of a season, uh, just the thoughts that go through uh, your head. In fact, uh, there, speaking of graduation, there's a book, it lives on the back of toilets all over America, or at least it used to. I don't know if you remember one. It was called Life's Little Instruction Book. It was written by H. Jackson Brown. It was 511 pieces of advice uh, he gave to his son who was going cross-country to college, which sort of, you know, if you write 500 pieces of advice, you can sort of see why that kid maybe want to get out of town a little bit. And uh, there's <laughs> there some advice that really, you know, pretty much makes sense. Have a firm handshake, say thank you, over tip your waiter. Uh, and I've shared this before, though. Some of this doesn't make sense if you read it consecutively. Uh, for example, uh, number 74 says eat prunes, and number 75 says ride a bike. I'm not sure you're getting very far on that bike if you shove yourself full of prunes. Uh, There's another, uh, 146, when playing games with children, learn to let them win. Number 147, learn to handle a gun safely. (laughs) I don't know if I want to lose that game. I'm not sure. Well, you know, it's sort of funny as as we look at life and we look at how do we make the most of those final moments Uh, We think about that really around this time of year, and I think in particular during this uh, series we've been looking at it in terms of the last week of the life of Jesus Christ. 
and really uh, what he focused on. And, and what we've been uh, doing, and we're going to even do today, today is often called uh, Palm Sunday, the week before Easter, uh, really recognizing when Jesus came into Jerusalem as he was celebrated as uh, the, the coming king that he really was, but they thought he was a different kind of king. And a great celebration, but what we've been doing is we've been reading, in a sense, between the lines. We've been looking at some of the accounts that are in the Bible. They're part of the last week of the life of Jesus, but often we don't look at. When very first week in this series, we looked at how Jesus dealt with critics, and we discovered as we read in the Bible really about the last week of the life of Jesus that a significant portion of his time was dealing with critics as he was focused on the cross as well. Last week, we uh, considered the words of Jesus to his uh, followers who thought this was going to be a great political movement, and he was describing that God had something much more in mind, that it was uh, the, not for a moment, not for a season, but for eternity to bring hope and to bring salvation. And that we can't be muddled in our thinking and our beliefs. We need to come to a decision point at some point in our lives. And this week we're going to finish up this series as we're looking at how Jesus interacted with his friends. Uh, his disciples. In fact, it's really interesting if you study Jesus compared to other religious leaders of his day, the rabbis. The rabbis were often set quite far apart from their followers. Yes, they would, uh, they would sometimes live with them and, and uh, serve them, but Jesus upended this. He would serve them instead of uh, the other way around, and he said, you should do this like I, I'm doing it for you. And he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you my friends. And so Jesus had a much different kind of relationship than other religious leaders, and no one had more power and authority than Jesus had. But even as Jesus uh, called his followers friends, and they were his friends, uh, he dealt with disappointment along the way. I know that's never happened to you in a relationship, right? We never had a little bit of disappointment along the way. Well, Jesus was not surprised by this. And in fact, in, in a sense, uh, he's not only predicting, he's warning and maybe preparing them. Jesus has uh, this uh, interaction with them. And we're going to look primarily in Matthew 26 today as we see, in a sense, a series of interactions with his closest friends uh, during very difficult moments. See, during easy moments, it's not a big deal, is it? You know, you go out, you have a great time, you enjoy the victories together. But it's in those difficult moments, not only are friendships tested, but we're tested in those friendships. And we see uh, what they really are. Well, Matthew 26, 31 through 35, we read this. It says, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you in Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. 
And all the other disciples said the same. It's sort of, you know, they're there with a bravado and they're there with the promises. But we know on the other side of history that those promises uh, were short-lived. That the bravado turned into a sense of fear as they were dealing with uh, their, their own lives and their own sense of survival. And it's interesting as we think of our life and maybe uh, relationships we've had, friendships, whether, whether they be in uh, the neighborhood, our work, at church, or uh, within our family, uh, we might think, well, what can Jesus, how can Jesus understand what I'm going through? Well, we talked uh, last week uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says we have a high priest, we have a spiritual leader who can empathize with our weakness because he, he went through the same things. And we really see this in the last week of the life of Jesus, some of the relational disappointments uh, that he went through. And here, and may, maybe you would say this, I relate to this. There's friends who don't get you. And this was true with Jesus. They didn't uh, get his uh, agenda. Have you ever had friends who, who just don't get you? I have a lot of friends, especially, you know, uh, in, on the east side who are foodies. Any of you foodies? Go ahead. Be, be proud. And, uh, and they want me to be a foodie too. But you have to understand, deep down in my heart, I love the food I was raised on in Tacoma, which is greasy and causes early death, you know? And uh, so, hey, we could go eat snail. And I'm like, no, let's go eat McDonald's, you know? And so Jesus, as he had, he had his friends, uh, they didn't get the kingdom he was about. In fact, there's this sort of crazy story uh, where two of his closest followers, they send his mo their mom to ask a, a favor of Jesus. And we read this she says, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. But Jesus, uh, he, he had a different priorities, and his friends didn't understand him. And then there's friends who are sort of with you. We've all had friends who are uh, like this. Jesus, at one point, he has uh, James, Peter, and, and uh, John, and he invites them to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. It, it, when we were in Israel, that was sort of a powerful place to be there and look at Jerusalem. And he could see exactly sort of where all this was going to take place. And he says uh, this. He, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And we get the sense that uh, they probably said, okay, Jesus, we'll be there. We'll keep watch with you. But later on we read, when he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And then there's, uh, what I, I don't know how to put it this way, friends who give you up. Friends who sort of uh, turn against you. And uh, we see this with Judas in Matthew 16, or 26, uh, 14 through 16. And it says, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And you might say, uh, why did he do that? Why, why, would, why would Judas do that? And the truth is, we really don't know for sure. Uh, there, there's some clues given in the Bible 
uh, that maybe he was uh, stealing money. Maybe he was uh, judging Jesus when uh, a woman, she took expensive perfume and she uh, anointed him for what would be his burial. There, maybe he was seeking uh, Jesus to, to come with power and, and fight the Romans and, and trying to cause a conflict. We really don't know the reason why, and um, I, don't, I don't know if it would help. Have you ever been hurt deeply by someone, and you just think, if I just knew why they did it? You know, someone will do something, and you're just wondering why, and we feel like somehow we'll be better if we just know the why. And the truth is, knowing the why, it'll solve some intellectual curiosity. But if you've ever been deeply hurt by a friend, it won't bring any healing to it. There's uh, that which we just uh, give, really give to God. And I know that sounds trite, but the scripture says this. It says, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for he has said he will repay those who deserve it. This is uh, hard for us because I feel like God... If I helped you out just a little bit with that vengeance, you know, <laughs> I'm, willing to, I'm willing to take up that ministry. Uh, but it doesn't work. And then there's just friends who quit. Uh, it says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And we all have that. I mean, even, even as, a, as a pastor, uh, it's hard. You know, you have that and people come to church and they'll come and they'll leave. I'm, I really, no matter how large the church gets, uh, I have a pastor's heart. And so whenever uh, someone leaves the church, it always bums me out like 99.9% of the time. There's 0.1% of you, I'm good. No, just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> well, actually, I'm not kidding. I'm true. So <laughs> in fact, you know, pastors, we talk to each other, right? You know, so, so we will and say, hey, you know, someone just came to my church and they're from Timberlake. What can you tell me? I'm like, well, Jesus loves me. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, but the truth is, 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 it always hurts when someone walks away. It always hurts whether it's in maybe a company. I've talked to people and they've invested in an employee and gave them opportunities beyond maybe what they should have had. And, and, and you feel like somehow... It should have lasted longer, and you feel disappointed. Uh, in, in a friendship, when people just simply move on and they don't seem to have time anymore, uh, when, when friends walk away, here's what usually happens, is our hearts tend to get a little bit harder, and we say, I'm never going to let someone hurt me like that again. The problem is, is when we go to that place, we close ourselves off to really uh, the community, the connection, and the relationship that God uh, really wants us uh, to have with him, definitely, and with others as well. And so we, we see that Jesus went through all these relational disappointments. Do I have you sufficiently bummed out? today. Yeah, you're like, okay, good. I have people who will quit and not get me and then try to kill me. Yeah, the, that's pretty much life. Let's close in prayer. So, uh, no, uh, there's a way to move forward. And, and Jesus, he actually, he went, he went to the cross and he gave his life for his friends, even though there was disappointments along the way. 
And he, he didn't quit. He went forward, though, in a different way. And what would it be like if we learned from Jesus in this, if we had some takeaways from Jesus about friendship, where we just proceeded in a different way in our life, in our relationships, in our friendships? If Jesus could do this as he was approaching the cross, then you and I certainly can do this as we approach life in general. Well, what are some of the takeaways? And here are just some of the takeaways that I find uh, in the Scripture uh, when it comes to Jesus and relationships. Uh, The first thing we find is that, that it's fair or it's okay to be unfair. That Jesus did not invest uh, in the same way in everyone. Any, any, were any of you uh, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts? Okay, come on, come on, raise your hand. You know, Scouts honor. I don't think I made it past Cub Scouts, but I, uh, uh, it was great. Any of you remember that song they used to have you sing? Make, uh, uh, it's by Susan Lynch, Make New Friends, But Keep the Old. Do you remember that one? You don't remember that? Or are you just afraid I'm going to ask you to sing it? No, uh, I wouldn't ask you to sing it because uh, all the people watching on the other campuses would get up and leave at this point. So, uh, so it's, no, it says, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other is gold. And then their line, it talks about the unbroken circle of friendship that'll never end. And so really what we're teaching is a lie <laughs> to all. No, there, it, it, it's this idealistic, and then it ends, I always thought this was funny, it's you help me and I'll help you and together we'll see it through. The sky is blue, the earth is green, and I can help it keep it clean. And so we ended with just a little environmental consciousness uh, at the end of that. You know, I don't know what that has to do with friendship, maybe it's friendship with the earth, uh, you know, that's great. Uh, the earth, I don't know when Earth Day's coming up, you know, not many, not, you know, Earth Day is the only holiday no one's against. No one's like, you know, hey, I'm from another planet, I'm against that. Uh, but we, we, we were taught in that song uh, that there's a differentiation in relationships. And I really think is, as we look back at Jesus, that he loved people uh, really, in a sense, equally as you look at it, even showed love. I'm going to talk about this in a moment, to the one who would betray him. But he included people differently. It it said that Jesus had the crowds that followed him, and then there was a group of about 70 people who were more on, on mission with him together doing ministry. And then there were 12 men, and and we're not sure how many women, but we know that there were women there as well who were among his closest followers. Uh, And then when he goes to pray, he takes three, uh, uh, John, James, and Peter, and then Peter was his closest friend. And we look at that and we might think, that's exclusive. You know, Jesus must must not be very loving. Well, Jesus was fully God, but he's also fully human. And there's choices that we make even in our friendships. And, and I, as I've said many times, I, I truly pray for our church that this is a place where no one stands alone, where we have a, a sense of community uh, where n- no, only someone's alone if they want to be. But I also don't want us to just stay at the surface level. Because if you have 500 acquaintances, you'll never have a real friend. 
And the truth is, at some point, we need to dig deeper in our relationships. In fact, for many of us, I think the problem is, is that we have a lot of people we know, but very few people who know us on the inside. And Jesus, he allowed people in moments in his life that were difficult, where they could see him crying out to God. And I think we learned something from that. There was a book out a number of years ago by Gordon MacDonald. It was called Restoring Your Spiritual Passion. And this isn't in your outline. You can write this to the side uh, if, if you want to. And he described uh, people this way. And this is his description, not mine. Uh, and he, he said there's very resourceful people. And he calls these are people who are, who are mentors for us. And we have people like that in our life. People who really, we're on the receiving end of, of, of most of what we get in terms of wisdom and, and relationship. They're just people who are further along down the road than we are. And uh, now, Jesus being God in the flesh, you know, he didn't need a mentor. But we do. Is there anyone in your life who's a very resourceful person for you? Someone who's a little bit further along that you're allowing to speak into your life. When I, when I uh, meet people and they always have to be the authority, I'm usually worried for them because we need that. In my life, I've had uh, mentors. I've had peer mentors. I've even hired uh, people to coach me in, in ministry and life. Uh, gone to counselors. It takes a lot of people just to keep me together. <laughs> but here, here's one thing. I have a lot of problems, and you don't want to hear about it, although it could save me 130 bucks on my next therapy session. But uh, the truth is, uh, but one of the ones I, I really don't struggle with is, is pride. I always know that God has someone for me that I can learn from. But it's not everyone. And see, there, see, there's that. Some of you, now, now some of us who, who tend to, we suffer from a lot of self-esteem issues, you take everyone's comment equally. Stop. Don't do it anymore. You say, I'm just taking input. No, you're being sort of dumb in Jesus' name. So the, uh, you really are. There are some people you should never allow to speak into your life because they're not speaking from God to you. They're actually speaking the opposite. But there are other people. Who is it in your life? And by the way, you don't microwave these relationships. You don't, after church, you don't go, hey, how are you doing? What's your name? Will you be my mentor and speak into my life? Because that's creepy. We don't want you to do that. Uh, but you need that. You need that. I know some of the greatest spiritual leaders uh, in this country. Uh, one, one Pat, he was in his 80s, led probably the first church that ever grew to about 20,000 people. And uh, he was at a conference, and a friend of mine was there, and he said he was still taking notes. He said, I still have something to learn. So, so who's that in, in your life? And then there's uh, very important people, and these are people who are uh, really on the same, they're peer mentors. They're people who, who share our mission in life. They're people who walk with us. In fact, uh, we formalize this around growth groups. I don't know why growth groups work, 
but I know they work, is when people gather together and they say, hey, we have this in common. Not only do we uh, usually go to the same church, uh, you can invite people who don't, but usually it's people from the same church and we're, we're going to include God in the mix. And there's a maturity that happens, honestly, that doesn't even happen in, in a class. And we teach classes and those are good. And I went to school for a million years and got a bunch of degrees I've never used in my life. But something happens when we just go and we learn from one another. In fact, uh, uh, next week we'll have uh, our spring session. It's our smaller session of growth groups. But, and it's shorter, too. And, and you say, hey, maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm disconnected. I want to at least make some connections. We're, we're even uh, going to, on the Redmond campus, uh, include, again, our, uh, our marriage ministry, Reengage. About 450 of you have been through that in the last 14 months. Uh, and maybe that's an opportunity for you to do that. And then there's uh, very trainable people he talks about. These uh, are people who are uh, really would, would come beside us and could be partners in life and ministry. Maybe they're not quite as far along. Maybe uh, they, they need you to, in a sense, help them. But they give you life. And then he puts it in another category, a couple categories, and, and I don't know if I would use the same words, but I'll use his. Uh, he calls them very nice people. And these are sort of nice people, but at the end of the day, they're not going to be there for you. They're not going to add much, and they're not going to allow you to add much to their life. Uh, we call them in-law. No, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Co-workers. I could just go with all of that, but... Uh, and then there's very draining people. And we, uh, we if you don't know what I'm talking about, you are. No, the, uh, but the truth is there's people, there's people who are always go from crisis to crisis, right? And sometimes it's real. Sometimes it just is like they're just like a crisis waiting to happen. And uh, here's what I, I practice in my life, and you can do what you want to. Uh, I, it's not like, oh, no draining people in my life. I've been a draining person from time to time. I want to make sure that there's someone who, who I just keep on reaching out to. There was a, a buddy of mine. He was a pastor. He made a bunch of really dumb mistakes. And uh, no, every, everyone sort of abandoned him. And he, trust me, he had a lot of problems. But I, I just would continue to reach out to him because I, I believe in that. No one should walk alone. And I just wanted him to know that not everyone had given up on him. And there's people like that that you're going to want to have in your life. But if everyone like that is in your life, you're going to hit depression. You can probably hit a moral failure. You're going to feel empty. See, there's Jesus, Jesus practiced this sort of, and not in the same way Gordon McDonald's, but in a certain way, there was a difference between the crowds. There were some people who, who, even though they were imperfect, they were committed, and he said, I'm going to walk through life with them. And so my question is, who are those people? One, if you've got them in your life, thank them. Just say, hey, thank you for being there. Uh, by the way, don't, 
like thank the very draining people and say, by the way, you're a very draining person, but I thank you because I need one. <laughs> uh, but uh, if there's been a mentor, that's going to be important for your spiritual health. It'll be as important as you coming to church and learning God's Word as we do together because really we find it there. And then another thing we learn from Jesus is it's okay to let go. The, what we find is uh, Judas is there. It's interesting how Jesus, when you think about Judas, uh, even people, you know, you, you, this may be your first time in church. Everyone knows who Judas is. No one, you know, no one names their kid Judas anymore, really. It's, he was the traitor. And Jesus still included him all along the way. Even when it was at the Last Supper, and we're going to celebrate communion in a moment, he even lets Judas be there at that moment. And you just think, why in the world was he doing that? I think because Jesus was still reaching out. You say, well, didn't there have to be a betrayer? There would always be another betrayer. But Jesus was continually reaching out to him. And then there's a point where Jesus says in uh, John 13, 30, what you're about to do, do quickly. And he lets go. And for some of us, I think that's maybe what we need to learn. Now, I just want to be real clear here. Some of you got, and this happens because it happens on the way to church. I don't know why Satan works particularly. If you don't believe in Satan, ride with your spouse to church sometime. Because here's what will happen is you'll be driving to church and you will inevitably get in a fight with your spouse. Has that ever happened to anyone on your way to church? It doesn't happen to me ever because we don't drive together. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that's how I solved that problem. Uh, but so, but what I'm not saying is, okay, give up on the marriage. And marriage is sort of a different kind of relationship. That's a whole other discussion. I'm not talking about a marriage relationship. I'm talking uh, uh, about a, a friendship. I'm talking about another time, type of relationship where it's, it's okay to let go. And at the same time, we learn this from Jesus, is that broken relationships, that there's no such thing as unredeemable. See, I, I, I think that, that any person is redeemable. You think about beyond uh, Judas, who was a person who disappointed Jesus the most? It would have to be uh, Peter. And Peter denied Jesus Three times he said he'd be there. He wasn't. One of the other disciples actually sort of stayed in the background with Jesus' mom to take care of her. Peter wasn't that guy. Peter was the guy who ran. Peter was the guy who failed on pretty much every level. But then Jesus, as he is raised from the dead, we read in Mark 16, 7, he says, but go tell the disciples, and then this is, and Peter. You say, well, did Jesus not really consider Peter 
uh, his follower anymore. I don't think Peter considered himself a follower. I don't think he considered himself redeemable. But Jesus still gives him a chance. He gives him a shot. Peter, the one who denied him three times. And so I think, especially, you know, as we, as we approach Easter, and we're going to celebrate, and it's going to be a huge party, and, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're really going to say, what does it mean to live the other side of the resurrection with God's power in our life at every level? And so I want us to have that celebration next week. But this week, I want you to consider what it meant that Jesus went to the cross to bring redemption, to bring forgiveness to every person, and that can mean every relationship. Maybe for you, there's someone who you gave up on a little too soon, and there's just a, you know, you need to send them an email, a, a text, a message them on Facebook, do what it, you can even call them, I think. Do, phones still make phone calls, actually, I think they do. Uh, and what a gift. You say, you know, hey, I, I don't know if that person would ever really come to know God. We, maybe if they experience God's grace. And maybe you would be the one to extend that grace. See, my final thought is this. The greater our God relationship the greater our grace in relationships. See, as we, as we allow God to become bigger in our life, in our hearts, then we're able to extend that grace to people who disappoint us. We're able to begin again. And Jesus modeled that. In fact, Jesus, as he was dealing with his disciples on so many levels, he, he talked to them about how they'd deny him and how... Uh, they had these mixed crazy motives and didn't get him and didn't get his agenda and, and Judas actually sells him out. But he gathers them at one point and uh, he does what we're going to do today is uh, he, he has some, uh, he has a meal with them of sorts. We're going to just have bread and juice and we read this. It says, while they were uh, eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting timberlakechurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.